This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The presenting sponsor of this week's edition of Top Rope Nation is Bet Online. March has arrived and we're only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get on the action and with multiple entries available, it's this season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong, so whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner Bet Online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account. Make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Blue Wire. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. CBB Chris Van Fleet. This is Liam O'Rourke, author of Crazy Like a Fox. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Ladies and gentlemen, it is no time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. All right, it's been a newsworthy week around the globe. It's episode 131, Top Rope Nation, recording one day early this week. I'm Ryan Drosty here of comicbook.com with Justin Joint, Kyle Ross. Uh, a lot to talk about in the news tonight, just as we were getting ready to go on the air. All kinds of crazy news coming across the airwaves. Uh, NBA, we've got the NCAA tournament, all kinds of stuff getting canceled because of the coronavirus going around. The Globe, we're going to talk about the impact that that might have on WrestleMania here in just a second. Uh, Justin, other than that, <laughs> how's your week going this week? Uh, well, my kid woke up twice in the middle of the night last night, so uh, I'm, I've got a bit of a cold, so it's been a pretty shitty week so far, especially, you know, today. <laughs> That's for sure. The world is in chaos, uh, kind of like we have never seen since we started this broadcast. That's for sure. Kyle Ross, uh, you're calling in via the cell phone tonight because we had some technological problems. So Kyle's not going to sound like he normally does on the show, but we got him on air. Uh, Kyle, how's it going? You tell me. <laughs> you tell me. All right, I'm sitting here. Of course, my phone wasn't that well charged, so now I'm like huddled up in the corner of the office. I'm scrambling for my notes. 
we got I got sporting events getting canceled. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Um, this could be a very nonsensical show. I don't know. Yep. Kyle works in the sports world, and uh, everything that's breaking tonight is definitely throwing his career in flux. Uh, I think all of us. I mean, it's it's hard to not be impacted by what's going on mm-hmm. right now. And uh, yeah, we we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I, I never would have guessed last night that the NBA season would be suspended, as we just heard less than an hour ago. <laughs> hey, hey, tomorrow never knows, right, Justin? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Uh, ahead of their time. Ahead of their time. Yeah. Uh, For God's sake, they got Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks, he is in Australia filming uh, the Elvis biopic right now. That's what he's down there for. And I'm very frustrated as an Elvis fan that uh, that's now going to be delayed probably for a long time. He's playing Colonel Tom Parker. So I'm sure my friends at the TCB cast will be talking about that in the days ahead. So, I mean, if someone as famous as Tom Hanks can get this thing, who knows? I mean, the testing here in the United States, at least, has been pretty minuscule. I I think probably a whole lot more people have it than we know about, and uh, it's a pretty scary time. You know, I know some people think that this is overblown and everything, but if you got the NBA canceling the season or suspending the season, I should say, for the time being, the NCAA tournament playing games uh, without fans and potentially even canceling that from what I was reading a little bit ago, that's been discussed. Uh I, I have a hard time saying that we're taking it too seriously. Maybe we're not taking it seriously enough. So um, the impact which, <laughs> this is going to have on WrestleMania, who knows? We'll get in that in a second. Yeah, it's good. I was going to say, which brings us to the uh, the big office at the top of uh, Titan Towers in Stanford, Connecticut. Right. So that's going to be – we're going to hit on that in the news. We don't want to spend the whole show talking about the coronavirus, but, uh, yeah, we'd be, we'd be pretty tone deaf to not talk about it. So I think we got to do that. But – before we get to in the news and Mean Gene takes us to that segment as he does each and every week, got to mention, if you're listening to the show, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening, wherever podcasts are found, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, TopRopeNation.com, pretty much wherever podcasts are found, hit subscribe, leave a review, leave us that sweet five-star rating. We would very much appreciate it. And uh, shout out to our friends at the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. Check out all the shows over at bluewirepods.com. Happy to be part of that network. And we're going to be doing some crossover shows with some of the other wrestling content on Blue Wire here in the weeks ahead. So uh, looking forward to that. And, of course, patreon.com slash Nation, the best way to support the show. You can fund us on Patreon, get exclusive content. Get a free gift sent to you in the mail. Check out all the details, patreon.com slash Nation. So with that said, guys, let's take it to end the news. All the latest wrestling news. Get behind the scenes inside a rental. At 1-900-909-9900. Calls cost the buck 49 per minute. Kids, get your parents' permission. But call right now. In the news this week, of course, as we were just talking about, it's coronavirus mania and what's going to happen with WrestleMania. So, guys, we're recording Wednesday night, Thursday, tomorrow. There's going to be a, be, be a meeting down in Tampa with the local city officials. And uh, I guess they're going to decide the fate of WrestleMania. As far as WWE is concerned, they're pressing on right now with the show in just a few weeks. But 
I don't know how you guys feel, but for me, it's pretty hard to imagine them doing this show, bringing 80,000 people or whatever it's going to be down to Tampa, Florida, when the NBA is canceling the season or postponing the season right now. Um, What do you think is going to happen, Justin? What's your take on all of this? I think it's going to get suspended. Um, Trump already announced that they're going to do the European air travel ban. So there you're missing out on a huge swath of fans. Um, And I think, you know, especially as we get closer and closer, it'd be really tone deaf for them to go ahead with it. Um, Unless something uh, changes and, you know, in a positive way, which I, you know, I don't think we are uh, far from the worst of this. Mm hmm. Yeah, and and many of you listening to this, you might already know the fate of WrestleMania. Like I said, we're recording this Wednesday night. We're just kind of taking a guess at it. But yeah, it's it's tough to imagine right now that they could do this show as planned. Kyle, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, as you guys know, I'm a broadcast journalist. Uh, so I reached out, uh, just like Bobby Heenan. So I reached out. Uh, this was yesterday, though, keep in mind. Um, you know, a lot has changed just in the last hour. It feels like the world has changed in the last hour or so. But as of yesterday, WWE was planning on forging ahead with WrestleMania 36. I can tell you that. But as Justin kind of indicated so eloquently, tone deaf would be the word to press on and do this. And the thing is, are people going to want to go? You know, I mean, it it just wouldn't be smart. I mean, like, even if WWE's like, well, we're doing this. Like, if you're a fan and you're hearing all this stuff, are you going to want to go? I mean, if you've, you know, um, bit the bullet and you've got travel plans, I, I don't know. I'm sure some people still will, but it, it wouldn't be a good look. Now, if there is one promotion in America that would try to press on, it would be this one. But I, I think it might be out of their hands, which is the key. I, I mean, Florida may just shut, or uh, the city of Tampa, I should say, may just shut this thing down mm. and say, no, you're not doing it. Uh, and Wow. I mean, that would rank right up there with the biggest stories in the history of this industry. WrestleMania being postponed and logistically, I mean, you talk about the fans, people who have this booked already. What are you going to do with them? You know, when is WrestleMania going to be rescheduled to? What do you do with storylines that, I mean, that certainly isn't the biggest concern in the world right now, but if you're the WWE, um, you know, whew, is this a logistical nightmare? Needless to say, and the answers are not easy. So it's going to be uh, a story that I figure we're going to talk about on this program every week for the rest of the spring. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I don't know about you guys, and like as far as jobs being impacted, um, you know, I work from home uh, now. Obviously, the, the events that I make my livelihood off of, um, you know, are, are being canceled, but it doesn't affect me. Like, you know, for, as far as me, like I, I am just, you know, I can, unless, if there's still sporting events, I can still work. But I know my wife who works at a university uh, here in Cleveland, they are very likely to be told to stay home for like a month. They've already canceled classes because, you know, in Ohio, um, specifically Cuyahoga County, which is the county I live in, that's Cleveland, uh, for those of you not familiar with Ohio, uh, there was three cases and, you know, they they shut down classes for like a month. So WrestleMania is in a month. And so people are already talking about, well, for the next month we're shutting things down. I, I just don't know how WrestleMania can go on. Mm-hmm. 
And you know who's really going to hurt from this is the the indie promotions that put on yeah, their shows yeah, because yeah. they rely on a huge stream of revenue coming in during Mania weekend. I mean, that's what's going to hurt the most. Yeah. WWE makes a ton of money. Of course, they make a ton of money for WrestleMania too, but they can they can delay the show and still do it at some point. But the mm-hmm. indie promotions, it's going to be logistically so much harder. Yeah, and by the way, Austin Aries, uh, no one was worse on Twitter.com today than him. Just absolutely heinous take. Not the friendliest guy in the wrestling industry, Austin Aries. <laughs> so, I, I not missed it. What, I missed it. What are the cliff notes on his uh, his Twitter takes? Uh, you know, typical. It was the typical. Oh, this is being overblown stuff like that. You can venture on over there. I don't even want to dignify him with the response. Yeah. Quite frankly, that was that was the general theme for sure. Um, you know, the other problem is, and I, I was thinking of this watching the Wednesday night shows this week was how long until these weekly television tapings are canceled? You know, are we looking at a period of time yeah. where there's weeks without new pro wrestling? Maybe we're doing deep dives every week for the show <laughs> in a few weeks, you know? Like, and yeah. that's, that's the content of the show because if you cancel WrestleMania, look, these TV tapings, they're happening in arenas with 15,000 people, and that's what the NBA is avoiding right now. That's what the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament's avoiding. So how does WWE and even AEW press on having right. those events yeah. in the weeks ahead. You're right. I mean, how do you do Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite? It is. It's a part of it. it was kind of weird to be experiencing this news real time while watching an event <laughs> taking place in a live arena, yes, wasn't it, was. it? Yes. Like, I'm watching Dynamite, and usually, as you guys know, I'm quite diligent uh, with my notes, and I went from, oh my God, just what a, you know, I was going from man did pinning Marco stunt fit MJF's character so well in that match. You, Oh my God, the world is ending. <laughs> and like, I was kind of numb, you know, the rest of the show where I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not, a, you know, and like, I couldn't just help but notice. I'm like, man, you know, it, Jim Ross was self talking all oh, tickets. You going fast. Oh, you know, we expect to pack out. And I'm like, do you, <laughs> you know, they, they made the announcement for blood and guts tonight, which is going to be just old school war games. And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> this will happen at some point, but it, it may not be in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how did this Love impact it. your viewing tonight, Justin? Um, well, normally I, I get to kind of start watching AEW and NXT about an hour into the show, uh, just because of my kid's schedule. And um, I, I started watching Dynamite and just peeked at Twitter Um also, buddy, let me know that uh, Trump is going to be talking. Um, so those two things just, and, you know, especially, you know, I'm a big NBA fan, so I was paying a lot of attention to that. Uh, so that I, I I honestly can't tell you a single thing that happened in Dynamite. Yeah, I, I only watched Dynamite tonight, and I also got started kind of late. I was working on some stuff outside the house because the weather's actually been pretty good this week here so i was getting some preparations for spring done on my house and i came inside and turned it on it wasn't much longer that i saw the tom hanks thing <laughs> I was chatting with you guys you know then i saw your text messages come across about the nba being suspended and it was just like it was really really hard to focus in on what was going on on the show and like kyle said when they're promoting these upcoming events yeah it was really kind of bizarre i mean it was are those shows even going to happen you know so just kind of an uncomfortable the, the, night all around. The way Matt Jackson saved Adam Page at the end of the show, 
uh, and, and that bit of storytelling seems kind of low on the uh, list of things going on in the United States of America here mm-hmm. on uh, March 11th. You know, yeah, it was good, but, but we're, we're okay because Alex Jones, I am just seeing, has, is promoting a toothpaste that he claims will kill the coronavirus. Oh, we're all Jesus. Jesus Christ. Ryan Brophy, you're actually one of the more level-headed people I know. You don't, like, often speak emotionally. Unless it's uh, involving my favorite sports teams. <laughs> that's true. Sometimes you do get lost. Sometimes it's like, come on, man, take the L and move on. But otherwise, I'm glad, yes. I'm glad you're self-aware, but hey, don't let's, let's not. Hey, I'll, I'll admit here. to that. Okay. I'll admit to that. Okay. Well, anyway, I want you to say something real nasty about Alex Jones right now on the air. <laughs> Just say some real, real, just real mean spirited. Uh, well, I don't, I don't really understand how anyone can watch that and take him seriously, especially after like the court proceedings he had a few years ago, where he admitted it's just a bit. You know, the mm-hmm. fact that someone that stupid and repulsive can make so much money broadcasting, frankly, it gives me hope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, you're much better. A toothpaste? <laughs> I'm just saying. Come on. I mean, if you if you're I mean, talking, least, I mean, at least, I mean, at least, cocaine will leave you with a fun time. It ain't gonna cure the coronavirus, <laughs> but now you'll be up till five o'clock. You know, watching a lot of wrestling. <laughs> oh now I, man. Now I can't. No, I can't recommend bleach, but you know, that's you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, this guy. What a horse. What a horse's ass, right, Kyle? <laughs> what a horse's ass. Yeah. <laughs> We don't call people that. We, we don't do that enough. Call people horses that. No, no, we're professional. We're professional around these parts. We're we're even keeled. We we criticize people when they deserve to be criticized, and we praise them when they deserve to be praised. And uh, but right now we're just all confused. I have no freaking idea what's going to happen in the coming weeks. So mm-hmm. uh, very much looking forward to hearing the outcome of this Tampa meeting tomorrow. Because uh, yeah, like Kyle said, this is going to be one of the biggest stories ever, probably in pro wrestling, and and certainly a theme for the show in the weeks ahead. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? So would they do WrestleMania in front of no fans? I think that's like the big question. Like, or are they going to move it? Like, you, you, what would they do? I have a question for say, you. How many corona cases are in Saudi Arabia? I don't Anyone know. seen that? I'm looking it up right now because what oh. if they moved WrestleMania to their good friends over in Saudi Arabia? Well, they have at least 24 yeah. cases, so. No, 20, 21 cases as of 12 hours ago. But, you know, there's like over 1,000 in the United States, so that's, that's pretty small in comparison. My God, uh, I don't know, man. I, it, where would that rank? WrestleMania being canceled slash postponed, rank that among the all-time stories in this industry, at least in our lifetime. I mean, it has to be ranked right up there with uh, 91 and then moving the show out of the L.A. Coliseum, doesn't it, Kyle? I feel that, well, <laughs> I feel For safety that, reasons, uh, right? Wasn't that the story, wink, wink? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel though that this. I mean, I know you're being facetious. Yeah, that's way more. This, this is way more, that because, way more serious. Yeah. Because because people like you know people's health are involved here, whereas that was just you know WWE kayfabe and shitty ticket sales. <laughs> okay, Bruce Pritchard, don't come at me with any of your nonsense. Stop. Okay, um, but I mean, like, uh, other than because this is part of a larger fabric, I guess, like, other than like. A couple deaths. I mean, the Benoit thing. 
I feel like is always going to be the biggest story. Yeah. Benoit and Owen then, Hart. And yeah. like Owen Hart. Yeah. So, um, but that's a good, that's a good correlation because look, if Vince wouldn't cancel a B level pay-per-view like in your house over the edge, when one of his mainstay performers died in the ring, do you think he's going to well, yeah, willingly it, cancel WrestleMania? Like, it, this well, is going to yeah, have it, to come from Tampa. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's the key. I mean, he it, it may be out of his hands. It's not like, you know, Kansas City was, you know, able to just, like, roll and say, shut it down. This is over um, when that happened. This may be just completely, you know, this is a deal where, you know, you've got local officials that may just say, look, I don't give a damn what you say, Vince McMahon. Well, Andy, you're not doing WrestleMania here. Andy did, Andy did Raw in St. Louis the next night. It says it says a lot about the mindset that I mean, this guy will not oh, cancel well, shows if he doesn't I mean, have to, yeah. unless someone else steps well, in. So, yeah. and, and to be fair, I mean, you know, AEW seems like it's forging ahead. Chris Jericho, who didn't exactly uh, set science forward many years in some of his remarks this morning, uh, as it pertained to the Fozzie tour. Didn't so, even see that. You know, I mean, it, Oh, well, he, he, he referred to this as a mass hysteria. Oh, God. And, you know, I mean, again, it's, it's, I mean, there's a pro wrestling mentality that, you know, it's a very backwards thinking mentality compared to, I think, most people around the world. And yeah, of course, if it was, if you, if you left it up to the promoters, I mean, they're going to be the, probably the last people fighting to still go on mm-hmm. and do the shows. Um, you look at the NBA, I mean, which is a, you know, sorry, Vince, is a much bigger deal than you. They had one of its players, obviously, test positive, Rudy Gobert, test positive, and they said, shut it all down. Mm-hmm. So, um, a precedent's been set. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. It's kind of hard to comment further. I mean, all we can do is kind of speculate right now as it's mm-hmm. Wednesday evening, about 11 o'clock Eastern time now, so... I guess let's, within... let's take a. I'm a betting man, okay. As okay. you know, let's all go around the horn. Do we think the show is going to happen or not? Uh, personally, I think Bad it's going to. I think it's going to be postponed. Personally, I I just I cannot imagine how the city of Tampa can say that we can bring in eighty thousand people for a show right now with all this going on. Um, Justin had to step away for a second, but I know he thinks it's going to be postponed from our okay. conversation. What do you think? Yeah, and let's let's make it three for three. Yeah, I think it's going to be postponed too. Yeah. So, well, we'll know, and uh, perhaps we'll put out a breaking breaking news audio segment on this tomorrow if we get a chance to record. Like I said, we're recording a day early this week because of scheduling conflicts. But if we can put something, you know, a, a thirty minute show together we'll do it i know kyle and i did one of those last summer when they brought back pritchard and eric bischoff well that eric bischoff thing last Heyman. time or a uh, Heyman, Heyman and, and eric bischoff yeah, yeah not no, we yeah. didn't do anything for pritchard but uh sorry bruce <laughs> and i'll be and i'll be i'll be goddamned if i do anything for bischoff again too because <laughs> it didn't last long enough it was we no, were not warranted we in doing that show well, we kind of predicted that might be the case. So, we did. Well, that that is true. And that's in the Patreon archives. Uh, it's one of our Top Rope Nation extra shows on Patreon. If, if, if you guys yeah. haven't heard it, check it out. So um, a couple more in the news segments, and then we'll get to the big topic of the week. Um, they announced on WWE Backstage last night that Gronk was close to signing with, with the company, and uh, now it has come across that he has signed with the company, I believe. Uh 
so our thoughts on Rob Gronkowski coming to the WWE. Um, my first reaction, Kyle, before I throw it to you, was it's a little odd that a guy who had to retire from the NFL due to concussions is is going to do pro wrestling on a sounds like a pretty regular schedule. Um, what did you think, Kyle? Somebody shared tweet, uh, and I and I believe I liked it. Bill Belichick, upon hearing the news of Rob Gronkowski's WWE deal, and it showed like Bill like running, looking pissed off. Uh, I'm not surprised by this. I mean, there, there are always rumors. He got involved in WrestleMania in Orlando hmm. uh, almost three years ago. And I think there's an obvious big show for him to work this year, that being SummerSlam, which is in Boston. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I would be smart about when he appears because we know wrestling fans can turn on celebrities. Gronk can be kind of polarizing uh, to some people. But, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you build something up. I don't know what that idea will be. And you have him work in Boston. It should gain some notoriety. I kind of feel for Mojo Raleigh, who this could have probably been the biggest payday of his career. And he's been reduced to nothing. So if he, if he go, he'll be like squashed on TV by Gronk or something like that. Mm. Um, you know, just to set something <laughs> up, poor bastard. Oh. Yeah. That was the big connection when he was at that mania. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on uh, Gronk and WWE. I suppose my biggest question is if it's, you know, um, kind of as Kyle insinuated, a, a possible one-off at SummerSlam, or if there's any chance that this could be more of a Ronda Rousey kind of contract where, you know, maybe he, you know, sticks around for a year, does a handful of shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds it's like true. that's going to be the case. It sounds like he's going to work on a, at least a semi-regular. I mean, that's what I've heard. You, Kyle? Yeah, kind of. It wasn't, but I think we would all agree that the, if you want him his debut to look good and the fans to you know you you want to give the illusion that like this is a big deal and the fans are psyched about it, you do it in Boston, right? A big oh, show, absolutely. Gives them time to train. Is that yeah. Good yeah, it gives them time to train. You can shoot the angle slow. Um, you know, I don't know who they shoot the angle with. It, 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 it almost like doesn't even matter because <laughs> whomever it is, is, is doing the job, mm-hmm. you know? So it's going to be somebody who they think highly enough, uh, enough of, you know, to kind of, you know, carry Gronk through that situation, but not, but somebody that they're also willing to beat in that situation. And, you know, there's just like so many names that it's not even worth going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I agree. It wasn't that surprising. He's been kind of tied to WWE for a while. He's he's hinted at it in interviews that it's something he's been interested in. So I guess to see it made official was cool. Um, it's it's a big star coming into the WWE. Uh, like I said, though, his his concussion history gives me some pause because there's certainly been wrestlers who had to retire due to concussion issues, and we know. WWE has had lawsuits about concussion issues uh, from past performers. So um, I hope the guy can stay safe and uh, work in a safe way. It seems a little risky to me, but this is the kind of uh, situation WWE is always going to try to capitalize on. So they get a big mainstream star coming in like that. I think I tweeted out uh, something about, you know, he's paving the way for George Kittle one day. Another uh, tight end that's a big wrestling fan. So who knows? I think all every time he had a catch, when me and my buddies were watching the 49ers show, I would say, that's big WWE fan, George Kittle. That's right. <laughs> Huge fan, actually, too. So uh, Kittle, actually, um, 
he appeared on one of the uh, the, the Blue Wire Wrestling Network shows, the the two jabronis with oh. the wrestling podcast show. He was on there a few months ago. You guys can check that out. Partners uh, with us through Blue Wire, but uh, yeah, maybe we can get George Kittle on someday. Maybe I'll reach out to our producers and see. Find um, out what cool. the hell happened in that Super Bowl. Yeah, Justin's a 49ers fan, so if you get Kittle on here, that would be a uh, be a happy day for Mister Justin Joint. Yep, back when we watched sports. Yeah, a good a good Iowa boy like George Kittle. <laughs> everything, Kyle. Everything now. always comes back to the great state of Iowa, don't you think? I think uh, I think Kittle would Kittle would be a great addition to uh, Seth Rollins's group, his faction. <laughs> yes, I could see it. I could see it. Well, um, that, that faction needs help. It needs a star in it. It does. Well, need you know, a star. there you go. George, put George Kittle in it. Oh. <laughs> they need some pizzazz, you know. <laughs> oh God, Kyle, you went to NXT a couple of nights ago. You want to tell us about that in, in our new segment here before we move on? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'll do that quick, and then we're, we'll go to the Elimination Chamber after that, sure. Um, so I did go take in an NXT house show, and it's funny because <laughs> as I was watching the show and I watched Elimination Chamber Sunday, there were some like interesting similarities in the sense that as the show went on, I started to get less interested. <laughs> I feel the show peaked in the first half. And then the main event might have been the least interesting thing I saw. So I'll just run through the card real quick and some notes I had. Uh, It is very clear, I think, to anyone that the two transcendent guys on this brand, and what I mean by transcendent is guys who could make the most impact on a Raw or SmackDown, are Keith Lee and Matt Damon. Yeah. And we all know that on this program. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that doesn't mean like they're the best wrestlers, what I mean, and that best wrestlers is a subjective term anyway. But they were the most over guys on this show. Um, the, the Broserweights worked a really good house show tag against Shane Thorne and Brandon Burke. Um, you know, two guys who don't get a lot of TV, but it was worked. You know, like when you go see a house show, there's a lot more interaction with the fans. Yeah. There was there. It was great. Riddle was super over. Um, you know, Candice LeRae beat Santana Garrett. Uh, there was a, oh God, two of the guys that were in the, um, breakout tournament that I can't remember. Um, Bronson Reed beat Dexter Lewis. That was a whatever. But I think the most interesting thing is, and I texted you, I think, as it was going on, both of you guys, there was a Keith Lee, Dio Madden tag versus Adam Cole and Roddy Strong. Mm-hmm. Dio Madden, are you aware how large this man is? Like, he's pretty this man tall? He's a giant. Yeah. This man is massive. He towered over Adam Cole. Like, they, he, he that's not hard to spot. do. <laughs> yeah, that's, I guess. But like, it, but it was crazy. Like he did the spot where he was, it was so noticeable that they actually did the spot where um, Strong and Cole tried doing like a double team move to him, and Madden just stood there and then double choke slammed him, and it didn't feel like totally out of place. Uh, Feel Madden was kind of over with the live crowd, which I thought was funny. Hmm. Interesting, but. Uh, but, but yeah, that, that was kind of like the most over match of the night. It was right before intermission. Um, as Dio came down, I, just, I, I felt bad. Something I'd heard. D, Dio, I, you know, I think Vince, if he had his call, he might have fired him during the first commercial break of the first Raw he worked, um, which is unfortunate for somebody, you know, not to even be given a real opportunity in a situation. But, God, he's 
that was like the most shocking thing on this house show is how big Dio Madden is. How was uh, I'm shocked Vince would want to make him an announcer? How was Austin Theory in the main event across from Ciampa? I'm I'm looking at the card here in front of me. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. People did not take at least this crowd did not take to Austin Theory as a main event guy, and that was easily the most boring match of the night. It just Hmm. felt like two guys going through the motions. They were not working a house show style. Um, the entire second half, even, uh, even the first match after intermission, which was uh, Damian Priest versus Cameron Grimes. Grimes did some great heel work before the match, but then they were kind of a dull match. Uh, but yeah, Theory and, and Ciampa was, was real paint by numbers. And it's funny, now it's Cleveland, keep in mind. So that played a big role. The crowd was chanting for Johnny Gargano the whole time. And we got a surprise Johnny Gargano appearance. Hmm. Nice. At the end of the show, he came out and interrupted Ciampa's promo and promised to bring a takeover, which uh, certainly got the crowd uh, excited. Hmm. Have you heard anything on that front? I would think he wouldn't promise that unless there's something in the in the works. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this, I mean, half the people are drunk anyway. They probably, <laughs> they probably forgot already. <laughs> or was that just me? No. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, you're right. You don't want to, like, tease that. But I think you've got, like, a long time to deliver. Like, I, you know, I mean, they ran Portland. Yeah. There's no reason to think that they can't run Cleveland. I, so, I, I'm already, I, the gear's I, already spinning in my mind, Kyle, that uh, if they do that, I think a couple of Iowa boys might have to make their way to Cleveland, Ohio. It's You know, it's uh, not the most exciting drive down 90, but uh, by God, you guys are welcome. Especially if I have no job because all the sports have been canceled. So uh, <laughs> we'll hit the casino. Come. Yeah, uh, yeah, just for old time's sake. But yeah, it, it was funny that when Austin Theory came out for that main event opposite Chapa, there were a lot of people around me that said, "This is the main event, Austin mm. Theory." So I mean, look, there's a lot of time. Obviously, they're high on him, but uh, yeah, the crowd in Cleveland did not exactly take to him as a main event level guy on this brand. Huh. Interesting. Okay. He was he was just nowhere, and I mean, granted, he's a heel, but mm. he was nowhere near in terms of star power on the level of a Lee or Riddle or you know even Chopper or some other guys. I think Cameron Grimes got did much better heel work than Austin Theory did. Yeah, uh, just looked it up per Wikipedia. Dio Madden is six six three seventeen. Good lord! Yeah, Dio, which, which, Dio Madden is huge. Like I just was, I was screaming. Like I mean, you guys can imagine me. I was like, "How big is this Dio Madden?" <laughs> I mean, How many that, times did you yell, him... "I love this sport" during this show? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think I yelled that at all. Oh, that's or wait, no, there was no, there was one time. What was it? What was it? Because when we, when Kyle and I and Justin met up in New Orleans, I heard that so many times out of your mouth. In fact, it made our T-shirt, I think my favorite designed Top Rope Nation mm-hmm. T-shirt that we have over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Top Rope Nation. The black and gold Top Rope Nation I Love the Sport T-shirt. Oh, I, I know. It was when Dexter Lewis came out. I said, is this guy the future of this business? But like five minutes later, I was like, no, that was a bad take. <laughs> I said I still love the sport, but I'm not sure about Dexter Lumen. <laughs> nice. All right. So real quick, we wanted to hit on uh, Elimination Chamber. It was last weekend. Uh, we we didn't do a post show or anything like that. So if we didn't hit on it, we'd kind of kind of feel bad. We got to touch on this a little bit, and then we'll get on to our our segment of the week, which is a a Justin Joint 
topic of the week this week. So uh, Elimination Chamber, I felt personally like it was a somewhat enjoyable show. I mean, it was like somewhere in the middle. I felt like the first half of the show was pretty decent. I loved the Brian Gulak match. Uh, but yeah, like the main event was super predictable. We talked about it here on the broadcast heading in where, you know, Shayna doesn't really need to win a match like this to to get that WrestleMania bout, whatever it may happen, <laughs> that they've been building up on TV for weeks. So it just seemed like a formality. So I didn't feel like the Elimination Chamber match went over that well. You know, they did what they had to do. She was dominant. It made sense. But at the same time, I don't know. It was just, it was kind of boring. Um, Justin... Your thoughts on Elimination Chamber? I have breaking news. The I have breaking news Uh-oh. real quick. I have breaking news. Uh, WWE canceled SmackDown on Friday. Wow. Well, I guess I have Friday night off now from uh, comicbook.com. <laughs> I won't be covering SmackDown. Yikes. All right. Well, that's the first domino. Canceled. First domino to fall. Yeah, it looks like yep. it. Uh, where you, let's see. WWE.com? Is that on there? Um, I don't even see it on .com yet, so it must just be hitting Twitter. Somebody, right now. so yeah, I, I I I saw the Twitter app. Yes. Okay. Wow. Uh, it's go well. well hold on. It can't. They are going to the PC to do it. Okay, it, it, I think the word. What they're doing SmackDown in the Performance Center? What? Holy crap! That is going to be quite the sight. If I'm wrong on this, we can always scrub it out of the thing. But no, that's what I mean. I'm seeing some some trusted people say that. So wow, okay, yeah, I, I'm searching frantically to see these tweets as well. San, yeah, PW Insider SmackDown canceled in Detroit this Friday. WWE to broadcast from Performance Center. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> here we go. Well, yeah, you, you, we talked about it a few moments ago about these weekly television programs. They uh, probably are not going to take place. Mm. Well, that, as, I yeah. guess we're we're live to tape here ahead of the curve on that one because as we record, they have now moved the the television taping this week. So, wow! Uh, an official. Let's see. This is from PWInsider.com. Mike Johnson says World Wrestling Entertainment has pulled the plug on this Friday SmackDown taping in Detroit, Michigan, and will instead broadcast Friday Night SmackDown. And 205 Live this week from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. PWInsider.com has confirmed with multiple sources the decision was made this afternoon due to the current coronavirus outbreak. An official announcement regarding the change is forthcoming. There is no word whether this means this coming Monday's Raw taping will also follow suit. I mean, Jesus, it's three days afterwards. I would think it would. but (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that vaccine will be readily available over the weekend, but Mm. they don't. What a time to be alive. My God. This is, uh, never seen anything like this, guys. Pretty. pretty I kind of haven't, really. <laughs> you know, like, I, I know, I know that's like something I just, like, jokingly say when I'm, there's kind of like, you know, dead air or I don't know what to say in a conversation, but I kind of really haven't seen anything like this. No. I mean, what were the big, what were the big viruses that have gone around? Ebola, H1N1, yeah. like, none of that was like this people kind of got a little panicked over it but so anyways that's breaking uh justin what'd you think of elimination chamber um i like you i really liked uh brian versus gulak uh very curious to see where that goes uh 
well, I was about to say, especially heading into WrestleMania, but uh, they might have plenty of time to build a story for that. Um, other than that, I mean, the rest of it was was fine. Nothing really blew me away. Um, I think WWE's biggest problem is that they can seem to only be able to pull off the right result or the right execution. Uh, one of them always seems to be off. Like I, I think what they were trying to do with Shayna Baszler was the right move. Just the execution was off. Um, and I don't know why they keep having to have Oscar tap out. Like I, th- I was fine with her getting beat at WrestleMania 34, but I thought it should have been by pin. And, uh, I would have been fine with her taking the pin at elimination chamber. Hmm. It's just one of those classic examples of like too much content, right? Like this is the pay-per-view that didn't need to exist. It's just kind of, yep. it's just kind of there. Um, Kyle, your thoughts. I like that comment from Justin. They either get the right result or the right execution, but rarely both. That's kind of what I'm going to hit on here. I'm going to paint with some pretty broad strokes. Now, I was pretty harsh in our preview last week. Uh, I made a comment. People can check the archives. I don't make things up. Okay. Uh, I said that Say anything on this Elimination Chamber show was a main event, was an insult to any match that had ever drawn money in the history of this industry. And I'm going to stand by that remark uh, seven days later. Now, Chris Zellner, who I respect a lot, uh, he's one of the co-hosts of Between the Sheets, he had a tweet like the day of the show, and he was like, ah, I've seen so many takes about tonight's show, so here is mine. I'm reading verbatim. This show may lack the flash, but it will be a kick-ass in-ring show and no, it won't be, quote, better than it looked on paper because it looks good on paper in that sense. You know, I respect Chris a lot, but I thought this show was exhibit A that work rate can only carry a card so far. Like you guys, I love Daniel Bryan, Drew Gulak. I think you guys are familiar with the concept of a critics band in music. You know, a group who doesn't Mm -hmm. really get like an airplay is not known to the mainstream, but they have a very devout following following among critics. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Bryan, Drew Gulak was very much the Yola Tengo of professional wrestling. I thought that match was intended for a very narrow sliver of the audience who would love it. And it did get over in the building. It was the opener, but I think a lot of people, it's not going to, you know, be much to a moving on. And it's not part of a, you know, any sort of, uh, Big overarching storyline in WWE. Daniel Bryan, I think, is at a stage of his career where he can just do what he wants. He wanted to work a match with Drew Gulak in Philly. He did. It was very good, and that was it. Yeah. Um, I thought on Friday, and Carrillo was good, uh, even though I think Carrillo is not where he needs to be as an avenging babyface to go over in that spot. I don't know what you guys think. I, I could probably name 15 babyfaces more worthy of, uh, you know, being a secondary champion on Raw than Umberto Carrillo, or just in the company, I should say, probably not on Raw. Yeah, like Ricochet. I don't. Yeah, no kidding. I don't. Ricochet, yeah. So, yeah, yes, exactly. Ricochet, exactly. You know, I mean, maybe we are all simpatico on exactly where Ricochet should be on the pecking order, but it's very clear that, like, yeah, Ricochet would be better in that spot than Carrillo. Um, so, I want to go back to this idea that work rate can only carry a show so far when the star power and storytelling is lacking. Like it was on this show, you get what you get. I feel every WWE pay-per-view, not every WWE pay-per-view. Let's be fair. 
most of them. How often do we say, yeah, the show started strong, but it kind of whimpered to a finish? How often do we say that, especially with the B shows? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, all the freaking time. Right? Yep. Okay, and that is a reflection of what I'm talking about here. Yeah, these shows, sometimes they over-deliver in the ring. It's like, But we know that WWE has a talented roster. But if people don't aren't invested in the matches, it doesn't mean anything, and they're going to get bored. And the middle portion of the show, the matches were all too long. The tag chamber was, like, too long. The uh, AJ Black match was too long. Uh, the Raw tag was too long. If you cut 30 minutes out of those three matches, you got a three-hour pay-per-view, and it probably would have been a lot more enjoyable. You know, particularly with the AJ Alistair and Raw tag matches for the finishes they did, those matches didn't need to go 20 minutes. That, that's one I wanted to talk about briefly, because I was actually very much looking forward to the Alistair Black-AJ Styles match. And just, just on paper, you look at that match, and you think, all right, this is something to look forward to on this show. And I was not impressed. That was very average. What, what did well, you guys AJ's make it? Ba- AJ's banged up, and he, yeah. I mean, AJ's banged up, and let's be honest, AJ's matches haven't been at the high end for a long time now, and that's probably a reflection of him being banged up. Uh, to be fair, but you know, I it came at a point in the show where uh, fans were starting to get tired. I, I thought that was the match where fans, you noticed we started to get tired and it was just booked too long yeah. and it wasn't, they didn't work it really in a no DQ style. I didn't think until the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was okay, but it was, it was nothing to like look forward to. I mean, if you, if you were if looking you, forward to that match, it was just kind of, it was there. I don't know. Wait till it was over 20 minutes. Yeah. 23 minutes. Why are, why are mid card matches getting 20 minutes? Because that's the trend in wrestling today. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Like, it, they, people think that like to have a good match, it's got to be long, right? And if you look at this match on paper, you look at the names involved. Other than Brian and Gulak, I mean, looking at this card, this should be the other best match on the show. So I think they just they probably told them you got twenty to twenty five minutes to go out there. So. Like, here's the thing: what they did in the end with the undertaker coming out wasn't horrible, but there's no reason to do 20 minutes of wrestling before that. Mm. Just, you know, build up the situation, get the heat with, you know, uh, the OC interfering and bring the undertaker out and send the crowd home happy and move on to the next thing. There's no reason to do 20 minutes. Most of which didn't even matter in the end before. Right. The, I agree with you. The only problem is then you have to allocate that time to something else. And considering the matches that were coming up after, I mean, maybe the tag match, you add more time to it. I, well, no, I, I think that's the issue. I think this, there, this pay-per-view did not need to go three hours and 40 minutes. That's preposterous, in yeah. my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I, look, George Barrios, God bless him. I don't know what he's doing now that he's moved on uh, other pastures. But I don't want to hear about this fan, you know, number of hours the fans are engaged with the WWE Network, okay? I know that's kind of the whole mindset behind why these shows have increased in length, but this show does not need to be three hours and 40 minutes. Just put something on decent after the network that everyone will watch, and you'll get the people on the network for three hours and 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. You could have cut a half hour of this show out easily. Um, It just, there's just no reason for the show to be that long. And I wanted to just comment on the main event real quick because it's kind of the justice. The execution was a little clumsy in spots, but I actually, 
although the fans live did not react well to it or how you would hope, I guess, I actually really liked the layout of the match with Shane just dominating and blowing through everyone. It's exactly what it needed to be. It's kind of, you know, if you listen to our preview show, I said, this should be the shortest elimination chamber match in history. It actually was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing, the biggest problem I had with it, and this is not on the performers, it's on whoever produced it, is when Shayna came in and choked the three people out right away, and then she stood around for three minutes. Yes. That was too long. Gimmick yes. the, give the freaking clock, man. Mm-hmm. Okay? I know Dave Meltzer has his stopwatch out for these things, but who gives a damn other than him? Well, they're never consistent with the entries anyways. I mean, I think I think during the tag that night, someone was tweeting about how the entries were not, the timing was not consistent at all. So they're good. As, yeah. They By the way, that, that match was not, was not booked well. The ta- there should not be tag team chamber matches. I think after watching this, mm-hmm. um, you, you had two tropes. The WWE does that are bad. You had, the stuff that the fans actually were invested in, which was the Otis Dolph angle, you had that pushed to the side early and those teams were eliminated in the first half of the match. And then you had the old heels overcoming the two babyface team to win situation. Yeah. With Miz and Morrison, like, you know, it came down to them against New Day and they survived. But somebody does that too much. Yeah. Heels should not be coming, overcoming two babyface teams. Mm. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. So, yeah, Elimination Chamber in the books. Who knows when the next WWE pay-per-view will actually be. Yeah. We will know within 24 hours. Quick question to both of you. Should Shayna Baszler beat Becky Lynch for the title? I say yes. Yeah, I'm going to say yes, too. Uh, three for three. Yeah. Either, I, either I, her, I'm very adamant about it. Either her or uh, Ripley need to come out of Mania with a win. Yeah, for sure. God, that's what an interesting deal that is. I mean, because if Charlotte wins, that means she's on NXT, right? So, um, and I don't see them. I don't see Vince giving up Charlotte to NXT. Right, I mean, I mean, she could pull double duty for a while, but that's not ideal. No, I, I don't think that even like makes logistical sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I do think I think Shane is the no-brainer. I think you have to have Shane go over the way she's been pushed. And, and you know, Heyman's behind her. I think he's going to find a way to get the audience reacting more the way you want. And by the way. Okay, fine. The audience wasn't, you know, clapping and doing all their bullshit chants that they normally do. But she was getting over as a heel. I thought. I mean, there were some awkward long pauses in the match where there was no action. But I thought she, you know, in the classic sense, came across as a tremendous monster heel. Yeah, I agree. I thought I thought they did what they had to do. I just I didn't like the match going in, so it was hard to. It was hard to be too much of a fan of it just because they it just seemed like they didn't need to do the match and No, you're right. Logistically yeah, her only... like her running down and just destroying all of those people on Raw that, you know, she might have to feud with some of them in the months ahead. Uh just I don't know. It just seemed unnecessary. I yeah, I, I you know, I'm not gonna really cry too many tears for the well, other than Asuka, you know, I thought was giving a shot. I thought she did a great job too mm-hmm. um in the pod. 
you know, just kind of like, let me out, let me out. I want it. I thought she was tremendous yes. in that situation. Yes. But that's the kind of stuff that you don't get from a lot of performers in WWE. But the other four in the match, um, you know, whatever. I, I their their goose is cooked, so to speak. Um, I had a question for you guys, and oh no, I know what it was, and you guys are both gonna like it. You know, Ryan, I think it was you that tweeted from the podcast account about Roman. You know how the two SmackDown matches for WrestleMania, or at least the alleged WrestleMania that could happen, were both set up under the old sup and just point at the WrestleMania sign. <laughs> Why didn't they do Roman in the chamber still to get the spot at Goldberg? That's what the show needed mm. instead of the stupid tag match. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> much better than the tag match for sure. And that's what we all expected going in, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that would have been your main event. I mean, you could have, the Fiend could have got in there somehow. I mean, you know, that you could have blown Roman Corbin off mm-hmm. in that way, that you could have held it off for that. So, I, I don't know, man. I, I thought that was a curious decision. And my assumption is they want to keep Roman away from uh, obvious wins, and that would have been an obvious. Roman yeah, I mean, you're right. I guess because you're going to have two chambers then where everyone knows who's going to win. Mm. It, it would be the same exact deal as Shayna. That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I don't know. It, it has been very odd. We talked about this last week, but it, it just seems like going into Mania this year, it's just there isn't that buzz. Creative's been in quite a lull. I think most of the last few Manias, you could at least point to like a couple of storylines that really piqued your interest. I guess maybe Shayna... Uh, this year for the hardcores, even though Vince supposedly was down on her a little bit, but I, I've been well, into the Shayna stuff. He, he has a funny way of showing it if he's down on her. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I well, I mean, yeah, him. that's that was the report prior to Elimination Chamber, and they obviously mm-hmm. put her over very strong. But um, yeah. overall, this mania just feels like there's not a lot of buzz, and <laughs> rightfully so. We don't know when the show's going to happen. Perhaps yeah. so. You know, who knows? you know, we're about to get into a Mount Rushmore. Uh, topic uh, of Mania's path. I think it would be fun and what it, well, we'll see. Who knows? We may, we may be resigned to a lot of these. We may have to talk history coming up, but I think we should talk worst builds in Mania history and compare it to this year's. I like, th- I like that or topic. At least in it. Yeah, I like that topic. I think we'll have to do that in the, in the weeks ahead. And like you said, we might be forced into it. So uh, with that mm-hmm. said, let's get into the topic of the week. Before we get to the topic of the week this week, we're going to pause for a word from one of our sponsors of the show, and that is Untuck It. Ever wonder why traditional button-ups look so long and baggy? That's because they were never meant to be worn that way. Untuck It shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked, no matter your size or shape. Their shirts are the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Don't just take my word for it. Try Untuck It for yourself. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for 20% off your first order. They even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com, untuckit.com, and promo code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. We're looking back at WrestleMania history, and uh, Justin Joint, who is one of the, to me, Justin, you are like our best creative mind on this show. You come up with the best perspective questions. When we're looking for something to talk about, we can always count on you to come through with something. 
And um, we kind of started, I guess it was last summer, with these Mount Rushmore questions. And uh, you came up with the topic this week. So if you want to, it's been a while since we've done this. I guess Hell in a Cell, I think, was the last time we did this. If you want to kind of recap for the fans and what the mindset is going into one of these questions and then introduce your topic for this week. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, for the Mount Rushmore, it's basically like if you're making the mountain, what matches are you putting up there that kind of signify uh the intercontinental title and its place in WrestleMania. Um, I, I think match quality is important, but it is not everything. I, I think, it, you know, and then there's not a lot of it in this case, but if it's made any kind of impact, um, that's probably the most important thing. So I, I, there's a no brainer. Number one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how how should we do this? Do you want to just go like around the horn one match at a time? Do you want all of us to give all four of them right away? What do you, I'm going to let well, you control this and run the show, Justin. Let me just tell you, for me, there is two. No, like basically for me, there's a solid. You should probably four. let people know the question though. The Mount uh, the Mount Rushmore of Intercontinental Title matches at WrestleMania. Yes. Um. And before we get started, we all three of us are of a certain age. And so I'm curious for any of our listeners who are, especially if you're in like maybe that 25 to 20 range, I we would love to hear your feedback as to what you think the, the Mount Rushmore would be. Because um, for me, there ain't nothing in the last 24 years that makes my list. Interesting enough, Mr. Justin Joint, I reached out to one of my friends, a fan of the podcast, uh, and he gave like me his Mount Rushmore. Yeah, he is, uh, what'd you say, 25 to 30? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's right around 30. And uh, so I'll, I will reveal his list. I can do it at the end if you'd like. But I do have a prospective Mount Rushmore list for someone a little bit younger than us that's mostly okay. watched during the 2000s. Let's hold on to that for now. Okay. Um, I'm going to kind of explain a little bit where I'm coming from. Um, for me, there's three tiers. There is two that if they're not on your list, I can't take you seriously. Um, there's one that for me has to be on the list that I think a lot of people might find questionable. And then the fourth to me is no brainer, but I think that's possibly the most maybe debatable match. Um, so do you guys want me just to reveal my four now? Yeah, go ahead. Let's do it. Obviously steamboat savage WrestleMania three. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kyle, the, I, I, yeah, I, I was. I think we should just all agree on the top two because you're right. There are two that, like, I think every single human being that has ever consumed all of the WrestleManias would put on this list. Yeah, uh, yeah. and so the other one, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon, WrestleMania 10, the latter match. Correct. Which match do you like better? Hmm. I think. Uh, I I think I like Savage Steamboat better personally. Well, I think I might like the ladder match better. Hmm, they are both top, they are both top five WrestleMania matches ever. I am not objective with Savage Steamboat because it was my first favorite match ever. <laughs> Here, here's why I say uh, that. So I, I would give that the nod. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that was it. 
I was just going to say, the reason I go Savage Steamboat is because I feel like if you if you showed the two matches to like a newer fan, we've been so desensitized to ladder matches. Now, obviously, we were all watching wrestling in 1994, and seeing Razor and Sean was mind-blowing at the time. But if you show, like, let's say a 15-year-old right now that match, if they have the historical context, they can appreciate it. When we've had like so many wild ladder matches the last twenty years, it's like it doesn't seem as crazy anymore. Like it's it's hard. you have to have that historical context. I feel like to appreciate that match. Whereas Savage Steamboat, I feel like it ages a little better. And that's well, my that's my counter my counter argument. I agree with you that uh, anybody who grew up with like the TLC matches and stuff might not get it, but. It's also the 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 great wrestling war of stelly, storytelling versus high spots. And, and the latter match at WrestleMania 10 was more about the story than it was about the spots. Mm-hmm. Well, so something with Savage Steamboat, you know, it's funny. We talked about match length. We talked about it a lot, I feel, on this program recently. You know, a lot of people, there was an argument for a while. Well, you know, the match is kind of short. And, you know, they've got gaps and big moves. There was a little bit of criticism that could be put on it. I re- in the year 2020, I respect that match more because they were able to do what they did in 13-something minutes. Like, uh, like, that match should be, like, required viewing at the Performance Center. Look, guys, you don't need to do 25. You know this average steamo match that you all know about and you love? It went 13. And yeah, it was different. You know, 13 minutes um, on a WWE show in 1987 uh, might as well, you know, was probably like 25 and 30, um, you know, by today's standards. If you look at the other match times on that show, um, most matches didn't even, you know, probably go seven or eight. <laughs> I'm looking but, at it right now. Hogan Andre went 12 minutes and one second. <laughs> but outside of that and yeah. Savage Steamboat, the longest match was eight minutes and 52 seconds. And that was the Hart Foundation and Danny Davis against the Bulldogs and Tito Santana. Everything else, that shorter than that. Love that match. Uh, yeah, you know, tell a story. You, know, you can do it in shorter time. You don't, you don't need to do it. But um, I think younger fans, honestly, probably don't love either match as much as fans of our age do. No, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fair. Yeah. But, I mean, like, as far as the Mount Rushmore goes, there's no denying the, especially Savage Steamboat, the impact that had on the guys. I mean, yes. that came up afterwards. Mm-hmm. That that match was everything. Yeah, they they are probably two of the most influential matches in wrestling history. When you look at today's workers, oh yeah. I mean, and Chris Jericho, I mean, Jericho talks about yeah, Jericho Savage talks Steamboat. about the Savage Steamboat. Yeah, I mean that was kind of more more influential on a generation that you know. I mean, Jericho obviously is older now, mm. but um, you know, younger guys now. I'm sure. I mean, so many of them look up to Sean. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of them picked up his nasty habits in the ring, but that's okay. Uh, but you know, <laughs> a lot of people would say that is probably one of their favorites. You know, guys that are in the company today. Yeah. Yeah, I think, so, like you said, Justin, those two are the automatic. So, it'll be interesting now as we get into the other two of our four, if we split or not. So, you want to give your third? Actually, I want to give you my fourth. 
the one that I think is where things can move around. Okay. Because like I said, I think I think my three is, is gonna throw some people off. Maybe. Okay. My number four is Bret Hart versus Rowdy Roddy at eight. So I thought you were gonna say that was your third because that is that's my next automatic. Actually, I also had that on my list. Uh, same here. It, it is a step below the other two, obviously, but it's like a really really great match and it's one of the best passing the torch matches I've ever seen much better than, you know, Hulk Hogan's look at me efforts against the ultimate warrior in the rock, mm. you know, when, like, you know, Roddy actually went out of his way to make the win mean like such a big deal. So the guy won, not, you know, you know, Hulk, you know, crying at the crowd, you know, do whatever and look at me, forget about who won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this match is great for so many reasons. You got Piper with his his one title reign in WWE, mm-hmm. right? Um, you've got the great dynamic between these two guys. Like, so Brett is not a guy known for his great microphone work. Piper is, but I would push back. You, you look at Brett's uh, heel run in '97; he could do some great microphone work when required. Ooh, yeah, well, it, but but you're right in '92 during this period. Yeah, he was not he was not known for that, but. When I think about Brett's career pre-97 and my favorite promos that he did, there's two. And it's uh, it's the one with Mr. Perfect at the King of the Ring oh in 93. God. Oh, about my, my God. Dad You're going to name the two that I thought of. What's that? Yeah. You're going to name the exact two I thought yeah, of. Yeah, that one. And there's this one here with uh, Brett and Piper before the match where Piper's give, giving him shit about... Uh, first you know. in this WrestleMania first. As a matter of fact, this is the first time these two men are meeting for the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental title. Champion Rowdy Rowdy Piper, yeah. his opponent, a former IC champion himself, number one contender, Bret the Hitman Hart. You know, Gentlemen, we have arrived. We, we have arrived. You know, I got to say, first of all, man, I got to tell you how much I love your family. I got to tell you how much I love your mom. I know you. I know this guy since he's been knee-high to a grasshopper. I know. I remember when they were changing your potty pads. I remember even when... You were potty drained till he was seven, but ah, everybody's got their problem. Tying, remember tying bows in our shoes when we were kids? Of course, your shoes were always tied together. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to me because I remember when Mrs. Hart used to come down that she used to make them sandwiches, man. Throw on that bologna. Of course, only one piece of bologna, but that don't matter. I was hungry. Then she'd come up and she'd go to her nose. What is this? Yourself. Oh, keep my oh, this is nice, huh? Here I am having a little fun trying to make you at ease. Gonna have a nice con to keep him to yourself. Have a nice contest, and here you want to be a hero all of a sudden, huh? You want to be a hot shot all of a sudden. You want your belt all of a sudden. Is that the idea, huh? Look, all I care about is one thing. I want to win back the Intercontinental belt. You got it. I'm gonna take it. That's you right. keep your hands to yourself. Let me help you out a little bit, buddy. We can, can settle right argue. You know. Oh, yeah, you damn betcha we can. That's why I knew it here when I can have a million people watch me rip your head off. Would have had you. No, you wouldn't have. Oh, th- th- thank you, gentlemen. Bye Bret bye. Hart on bye his bye. way to the ring. Bye bye. bye. This should be a classic, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think so. Roddy Roddy Piper defending against today. the challenger. Let's get back to ringside. Piper and, uh, 
how Brett couldn't tie his shoes till he was like some age or something. I think he says at some point <laughs> his, his mom was making the peanut butter sandwiches and all that. Like it's a, it's a really funny promo. So I, uh, yeah, I, I think this match is memorable because of the passing of the torch, because it's Piper with a, with gold around his waist, which he didn't see despite him being one of the biggest stars of that era going back to the eighties. And uh, I just love that promo beforehand. Uh, I like the finish of the match with Brett, you know, d- kicking out of the corner and reversing the sleeper hold into the pin. Obviously, that's been recreated over the years many times since, including in the in the Brett Austin match at Survivor Series '96. But uh, at the time, I don't. I'm sure it had been done, but I don't really recall seeing it before. I thought it was a creative finish. So I I love this and match, it- and this was like almost an automatic for me. Yeah, I would go four. And a, like, the other two matches were five stars it, for me, and I don't give those a lot. So but that should tell you something right there. This is like four and a quarter. Uh, and let's not forget about what I think are two of the uh, biggest parts of this match's legacy. One, I absolutely love how Brett still gleefully to this day brags about getting away with blading in the match. Yes, yes. <laughs> he loves talking about how he just lied to me. Oh, yeah, hard way. And and then poor Ric Flair is like, oh, Brett got color. I'll go out and do it. And like Flair got fined and got like his ass chewed out <laughs> after the Savage match. Um, and then the the most significant part of that match is Roddy Piper losing. Clean. Roddy Piper had not done a clean pinfall job on television in almost eight years prior to that. You'd have to go back to a Jimmy Snuka match in 84. He, he, he lost some house shows. Um, clean, and, he, and he would lose some cage matches, too, but he, you know, he, he wasn't getting pinned. That was the second clean pinfall loss um, he did in his WWE run. And they were seven and a half years apart. Almost. Yeah. And that's for a guy who was a heel for so long, too. <laughs> Which yeah. makes it even more remarkable. So, all right. I guess we're all on the same page with that one. Do you want to reveal your other, Justin? Yeah, in the uh, Teddy Roosevelt spot of this Mount Rushmore, you know, kind of kind of back behind everybody else, but it's you know third one on there. Back behind, but could kick everyone else's ass. <laughs> <laughs> one of the great presidents of all time. Yes. You talk about a guy who's high on my list, Ryan Drossy, Teddy Roosevelt. Did you know I have a I have a stand up Teddy Roosevelt life size cardboard cutout. I didn't know that. It though. is in my classroom. Yes, it is. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to get your respect, Kyle Ross. A top three president. <laughs> okay, sorry, Justin. Go ahead. All right. Hogan Warrior, WrestleMania 6. I knew you were going to do that. You kind of alluded <laughs> to it. I guess I, I, the way you were talking in the text thread, because I actually thought of that. And I was like going through, I'm like, oh, wait, that counts. See, I didn't know if that counted or not. I didn't really consider it. The the Intercontinental title was on the line. I had to look it up. I didn't remember it that. It was, yeah. Title for title, yeah. That's right. And, yeah, that's, and, yeah. And it was, you know, that's the one time the Intercontinental title has been the main event of WrestleMania. It was a significant moment while it didn't last. You know, the passing of the torch, uh, Hogan taking a, a clean pin. Um, and, yeah, I mean... The you know especially to young me that match was pretty epic you know it doesn't age the greatest but I mean it's probably in 
Hogan's top three matches of all time. Probably both of them. Yeah. Yeah, I I think uh, maybe if I had been considering that match, it would have made my list. I mean, it's it's up there for sure. I think that, uh, yeah, I it's a good it's a solid pick. I can't really take issue with that at all. I like that you know because this is for the IC title. Justin really harped on that this is like the height of the Intercontinental title. You know, as much as you know, people like to romanticize sometimes about the you know. Mr. Perfect, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels period of the IC title when it was very much the workers' title. I mean, it was the workers' title before that for a period too in the 80s when you know you had guys like Tito and Valentine having it, Savage certainly, Steamboat. But like it was a clear secondary title during the Perfect Hart Michaels era, even though Bret and Michaels went on to you know obviously become big time stars. Um. You could argue like the height of the Intercontinental title was like the Ultimate Warriors second run because it was the legitimate, like it was one of the few times in the history of that belt that the legitimate number two guy in the company had it. Like it was very clear um, in the second half of 89 that the Warrior was the number two guy in the promotion behind Hogan. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, if you're talking about the IC title's history, um, you know, you can make a case, you know, obviously not based on in ring, but the warrior, you know, took the IC title, to, you know, it's peak. Now I would still consider Randy Savage, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Um, because I think like warrior, he was the number two guy in the promotion when he had it. And his work was obviously superior, mm-hmm. but, um, my pick actually for number four was, it is a recent match. Uh, we were all there and witnessed it. Ooh, oh, I, I, I thought about I love this it. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you had the Miz, Seth Rollins, and that jobber Finn Balor uh, <laughs> the, in the opener of WrestleMania 34. Uh, <laughs> 34. I'm sorry, I've got to go, guys. <laughs> and with that, can't we'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, a very good three-way. Uh, this is when Seth Rollins really hit his stride. I can't even make fun of him. And, uh, you know, the business was real over at the time, too. This was a, an open and a real fun one. It is, it is by far and away the best IC title match of the last 25 years. Mm. Wow. High praise. I, I had that on my list. So, basically, I made this list, and I put down my three automatics, and then I wrote down several that I had kind of out for that fourth spot. Um, I went with another recent match as well. Not that recent, three years before that. The uh, ladder match at WrestleMania 31 that Daniel Bryan won the Intercontinental Mm -hmm. title against Bad News Barrett, Dean Ambrose, Dolph Ziggler, Luke Harper, R-Truth, and uh, Cody Rhodes, a.k.a. Stardust at the time. Um, I just remember, like, that match had some emotion to it, you know, because Bryan was already starting to go through the injuries, you know, and he had come back and the year earlier winning the the two titles at the time, I guess, uh, becoming the undisputed world champion at, at WrestleMania 30, uh, and to return to mania after what he had gone through and to get the IC title in a ladder match, which I, I know at the time I was think it was kind of risky having him in a ladder match, but it, it delivered. It was a really good match. And, uh, I think as I recall, that was the first match on the pay-per-view, wasn't it? Yes, it yeah. was. It was. Yeah, so that that was my pick for my fourth spot. But there's there's several in contention, and I, I consider that one from 34 as well. 
And well, and you know, you talk about the intercontinental title being positioned in a meaningful fashion. At the time, remember John Cena won the U.S. title at that show, mm-hmm. and that was they we, that was the not brand split era of the you know as you meant they still they did not have you know uh, two world champions. And the goal after that show was to have two strong secondary champions. Yes, you know Brian is the IC. Cena is the U.S. and you know John Cena obviously had you know the best U.S. title run in, in WWE history, uh, and you know the the goal was to kind of do something similar with Brian. Unfortunately, he did get hurt, and you know we didn't see him for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Is my there prob- any? Sorry. Go ahead. No, sorry. No, no, no. I, I was going to kind of like uh, well, make a left turn there. Okay, just real quick. The one thing that holds me back from that match is that. It, it didn't get to pay off going forward is that, you know, if we would have had, if Daniel Bryan was able to stay healthy and he made that intercontinental title, you know, that workers championship again, I would hold it in higher esteem. But unfortunately for me, it just, it just has a couple spots that I remember. And, and that's about it. Yeah. I, I tell mean, that, you what. that's true. I, I didn't really think of the, the aftermath. I just kind of viewed it as the match as a whole, but that makes sense. That's especially if you get down into like a, like a tiebreaker scenario, I can see where you, you would factor that in for sure. I'm going to tell you something right now. There's been no intercontinental champion in history that has had better tweets than what Sami Zayn is doing today on this app. This guy <laughs> Hell is yeah, just man. doing things for this That's country right. I've never seen. <laughs> My hat's off to you, Sammy. We needed you a couple weeks ago, but God bless you. Welcome to the club. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay, so those are our four. Do you want to hear the uh, listener for. So I yes. I reached out to my friend Joe who ha- has been a big fan of the program now for a few months and uh uh he didn't he didn't know about the podcast till a few months ago and I told him about it and uh you know, we recently have become friends and he's hooked he loves Top Rope Nation he talks to me about it all the time Kyle he thinks you're hilarious by the way. And... This guy obviously is a cool man. <laughs> and so I asked him I said exactly what Justin said kind of in our text thread that we were looking for kind of a newer perspective on on a fan more from the 2000s what that would list would would uh, go with. So he he left off the obvious ones I think cuz he knew we would put those on our list and he gave us more recent matches. Like the oldest match on his list is is from the 2000s but the early 2000s. So Joe had uh, the ladder match from 31 also on his list. He also had the triple threat from 34 with the Miz and Rollins and Balor. Uh, and then the other two that we haven't mentioned yet he had on his list as a as a newer fan was William Regal and Jericho from Mania 17. That's the oldest one on his list. And uh, JBL and Rey Mysterio from Mania 25. So do you guys have any deep thoughts on those affair. matches? What's that? That was a real blink and you'll miss it a fairway. That match went in 10 seconds. <laughs> these are all pretty short matches. I think Regal Jericho was like well, six or seven minutes, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I don't I mean, even know. Was it even better than Regal versus Van Dam the following year? No, he also mentioned that one to me as well. He left it off of his top four, but uh, he had he had he had talked about that one. I didn't really care for either of the Regal matches. The, the one with RVD in particular was like a real style mm. clash where they just didn't really work well. I mean, they weren't given enough time to really do anything either um, of substance. 
the Jer- I don't I, that Jericho one was weird because I was like really mad that Jericho was being like shoved down the card for a little bit of time. I was kind of like very bitter about it. And I was like, why is Chris Jericho like in the Intercontinental title picture like a year later? I was like, this guy should be in like a, a main event level match, but whatever. Um, Ray and JBL is in it. I mean, it, JB, it, JBL retired after the match. If you right. quit, mm. um, I guess so it's noteworthy. Um, 20 you know, seconds. No one saw that coming. Yeah. Yeah. Was, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, that's interesting stuff. I mean, I think the key is, and again, it goes to the Intercontinental title, if you were to like, do a history of this belt, I mean, it is just like, you, you can draw a sharp divide in the early 21st century where, you know, it reached, well, they got rid of it in 02. Uh, you know, I don't think there was, the IC title didn't even exist at Mania 19. Um, remember when they did that? They, it shows how well planned the uh, brand split was. They, well, the, they yeah, there was the several title. several manias with no IC title match. Yeah, yeah well, there, yeah, there's several during that, but they, there was literally no intercontinental. Like, not that just there wasn't a match. The intercontinental title did not exist. Yeah, uh, in March of 2003. Yes, they they had they they Triple H and Kane like did a match where they unified the Universal and the uh, well, it wasn't the Universal, but the Raw World Heavyweight Title and the IC Title. Mm-hmm. But like to me, the, the intercontinental title, um, it's just like it. it once you hit the early, after you got past the early off, it just didn't mean what it used to. And there were periods in the, in the 90s where it had nosedive, too. You know, when Russo got his fingerprints in early 99, it was changing it every week. Um, it was kind of a dismayed deer. I thought Jeff Jarrett's reign uh, was, was not good, quite frankly. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we all kind of grew up in that era where we admired the title. Mm-hmm. Like, it meant a lot to us, mm-hmm. and we saw the young stars coming up holding it, and it was the yeah. work rate title and everything. But, yeah, by... By the late '90s, early 2000s, it didn't mean what it used to, and it really, yeah. really kind of fell out. Yeah. And to be fair, a lot of the older Intercontinental title matches aren't that great either. If you want to go throw them, I mean, you know, I don't think anyone's going to clamor for Honky Beefcake or, um, you know, Perfect <laughs> Boss Man is like okay. Yeah. That's Mania Seven, but it's not like a special match. Um. You know, Randy Savage, George Steele was like part two of like a thousand matches that all went the same way. Um, Valentine Dog was nothing at the first one. Mm. Yeah, I think I think there's the three automatics, and then you just got to kind of argue over what to put on mm. the fourth spot for sure. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I would be shit like to me. I want to tell people you're wrong about something. You're wrong if you don't Bret Hart, Roddy Piper, Mount Rushmore. Can I just say one thing to to that? Mm-hmm. Is that not it, if that was not for the Intercontinental title? Does anything change about the prestige of that match? Whereas my top three kind of need that title. I don't think it really needs it because, like Kyle said, the fact that you had Piper losing clean would have made it noteworthy, even without the title. Well, that's kind. That's kind yeah. of what I mean to say, yeah. like. That the Intercontinental title was just a side note to the actual match well, and the story. No, it kind of was. No, no, it kind of was the story because Brett, remember, had lost because he was had the contract thing and they took mm. it off him. And then he came back and he wanted his title back. The IC title was very much the story. I, I actually okay. think, yeah. I, but I, I, think, I think it could have succeeded without the title. You could have found a way to do Brett Hart, Roddy Piper in 1992 where, yes, 
the goal of the match was to put Bret Hart over as a main event player. You absolutely could have done that. But the storyline of that match very much was Bret coming back to win his title that he, you know, felt that he had lost. You know, they did this thing where he lost the Mountie where he had the flu. Um, but again, that was just because he was in a contract negotiation at the time. Yeah. And he happened to be wrestling the Mountie that night. Yeah. You know, I mean, Savage Steamboat, um, well, I think it was helped by the IC title. I mean, that was just a, a traditional feud. I mean, you know, that was a babyface very much going for revenge um, after, you know, a heavy heat angle. Yeah, I, but, I, but I think that also put the, uh, uh, I don't mean this in a negative way, but it put the kind of the stigma on the title of being the, the workers championship. Yeah, you know, um, sure. I mean, I, I guess, um, you know, uh, but he, I think it was more meaningful than just being like the workers title there. I mean, I, I feel that match was more story lot. Well, you know, a criticism of that match is that it wasn't worked like a blood feud, but the story of that match is it was Steamboat's last chance and he had to win the title. Um, not you know they had done the house show matches where he'd been getting disqualified for excessive violence. So I don't know. Like to me, that one like you could have done that. Like it was just it was a very great and famous angle and a famous feud. You probably could have gotten away with not that not being an IC title match, but it certainly enhanced the whole situation because the IC title also meant so much in 1987. Did you guys think about putting the uh, WrestleMania 2000 triple threat on there that was also for the, the European title? Because that was one I had on my list with Benoit, or I should say Chris Redacted, as we call him on this program, yeah. Jericho and uh, Angle. I mean, it was kind of a convoluted match because he had the two falls and everything, but I remember just being really pumped for that match going in. And I, I saw these three work a triple threat at a house show just like two weeks before the show. Yeah, I mean, for one, just because of the limited options as mm-hmm. Kyle kind of pointed out. Yeah. Um, but like you, I went in with very high expectations for that match and was pretty disappointed. I mean, it was in short, the 13, 13 and a half minute match. Yeah. 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 There, there's an alternate universe where that is easily in the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I considered it, you know, it's kind of funny being disappointed in that. I thought it was kind of like the metaphor for that entire show. I was like so jacked. For WrestleMania 2000, I think that's actually like not a good WrestleMania. Uh, I agree. I, really at the time, I thought period. it was one of the worst that there had ever been. I, <laughs> I was very. I think you could make you could make an argument that it's in the bottom ten. Yeah, WrestleManias ever, and you can certainly make an argument that the first five pay per views of the year 2000 is easily the worst. <laughs> I actually think it's not debatable that it's easily yeah. the worst of the first five yeah. pay per views of the year 2000. All right. Well, good cu- good uh, question, Justin. You always come up with, the, like I said, the good creative questions. So, love talking classic wrestling with you fellas. And uh, we'll be doing it again for the Patreon supporters on uh, Top Rope Nation Classic. So, you like the classic discussion? For our Patreon supporter, Derek, we will be, we will be reviewing a classic Memphis wrestling Do show. we know the match? You know, D- Derek is going to be giving us the match as a, as a Patreon oh, okay. supporter. So... When okay. he tells us, we're going to be doing, I believe, a live commentary on the match. And uh, we might be recording that over spring break next week if we can uh, work out a time for that. So if you want to hear that one, patreon.com slash Nation. We will be doing that for Top Rope Classics. Well, did Justin have a mystery question or anything like that? Are we going to do that? No, we're saving that one. 
We are okay. saving that okay. one. Yes. Justin will okay, be sorry. breaking out a mystery question for us in the weeks ahead on this yeah, program, though. The, the hypothetical is pretty lighthearted, and today has felt pretty heavy. Yes. Okay. <laughs> when we get to the program next week, or maybe we'll have the breaking news segment tomorrow, like a brief segment, who knows what we'll be talking about. A lot of things are in flux right now in the wrestling world. We will be here with you guys to break it all down, bring you the latest news and commentary on the world of pro wrestling. You can follow the show, guys, on Twitter, at Top Rope Nation. You can find us on Instagram or on Facebook. Uh, and you can find all of us on Twitter, our personal accounts, at Justin Joint, J-O-Y-N-T, at Ryan Droste, D-R-O-S-T-E, and at T-R-P Kyle. We will for sure be back with you next week and possibly before that with a breaking news segment, depending on what happens with WrestleMania 36. So that, I am Ryan Droste here for Justin Joint and Kyle Ross. Catch you guys all next week. Peace.